This week's episode contains themes of murder. If that isn't your cup of tea, that's fine, and we'll see you next week. thing are we i don't know <laughs> man it's been a week <laughs> well we're gonna be ready because we're doing it i know we just got back from fall break and boy oh boy it does not feel good to be back <laughs> all right anyways welcome to spilling tea the podcast where two friends sip tea and spill literature's dark histories i'm jane and i'm mackenzie and we're tired that needs to stop being our intro for every single episode. We need to stop recording this at like 8 to 9 p.m. at night when I'm exhausted say, and it's still... It's not even that late. We're reviewing to our even... listeners how much grandmas we are. Okay, we go to sleep at 10.30. It's not that late. Or mm-hmm. it's not that early either. <laughs> Anyways, I still have homework to do. So. Same. Same. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. So before we get into everything, um, just a quick little update. For our listeners, um, there's going to be a change in posting times for the episodes from now on, just with our schedules. It's not really possible to post early morning on Thursdays anymore, so we will be moving to Thursday evenings. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's basically it. That's our updates. Updates on your end, anything? No. 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 <laughs> A formal apology for missing teaser Tuesday. Yeah, we realized we switched our book pretty last minute, yeah. and then we were like, "Well, it's it's too late." Yeah, with the book we were originally doing, we, it was just dark and too much, too much, and we wanted to keep it light. So today we are actually covering the Hound of the Baskervilles Woo-hoo. by Arthur Conan Doyle. Sir Arthur Conan Sir Doyle. Sir oh, Arthur. He Conan earned that title. Oh yeah. Oh yes. So, as we keep saying, you can tweet at us and suggest books or teas, and this week's Oh, episode... wait! Before, when did you first read this book? Oh, I first read this book in eighth grade. Really? Which probably was not the time to read it. I didn't really get much out of it then. So, going That's back wild. and looking at it again for this was definitely helpful, because I was like, wow, I didn't catch so much the first time. Yeah, I think I read this in tenth grade, maybe. We did a lot of, like, See, that makes English lit mm-hmm. that year, so I think think we read it then but I mean I've been reading Sherlock Holmes since I was oh, yeah. like young oh yeah so how I gotta ask this we got to expose ourselves right off the bat did you ever get into the Stephen Moffat BBC Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch oh uh, did I ever? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we just have to put that out there like air our dirty laundry oh my it was God. poorly written but we were too young and naive to realize it I still will go back <laughs> and rewatch it. I don't care I just love Benedict Cumberbatch you're so valid Although, but, are you? <laughs> <laughs> he does kind of look like an alien he does trapped. Like, I mean, he's like, a good actor. Like, I'm not going to shade him on that front. He looks a little bit like an alien trapped in, like, a latex skin mask. <laughs> but, like... He really does. Yeah. The Hamlet that he did for the National Theater is very good. So I will not fault his acting. All right. He's a wonderful actor. Yeah, no, he's pretty good. He, he just, just looks, looks like so an alien weird. in a latex suit. But I love him at the same time. I also love... Oh, my God. I always forget his name. The guy who plays Watson. Yeah, see, I, I can't, can't remember. But he's he also, in the Hobbit. Yeah, he was he's in the in Hobbit. Like, he was in Black Panther. Wasn't yes, he? He like was. I can't remember the Martin. Martin. Martin Freeman. That might be correct. I don't know. We might be. Anyways, wrong. I like love him. <laughs> I love, love, love him. So, yeah. All right. So yeah. now that we um uh went way off topic, you Ooh, were saying yes. about 
the individual who is not sponsoring this. No, but you can suggest, like we said, you can suggest. So at our Twitter, at Spilling TP, you can suggest um, teas or books or things that you would like us to cover in this podcast. And uh, Twitter user Grace really should be doing her homework at GraceRem underscore suggested that we pair Sherlock Holmes with Baker Street Afternoon Blend from Upton Tea. Ooh. So yes. So this tea, so it's Baker Street Afternoon Blend. And it is, it's a black tea. It is yeah. a bit of, I am going to butcher the pronunciation of these teas. That's okay. We're going to, okay. pre- it's, it's okay. A bit of Lapsang Suchung is blended with Kimun and Darjeeling, yielding a mildly smoky tea. Perfect for an afternoon uplift. So oh. again, Baker Street Afternoon Blend from Upton Tea Imports. And this is a tea, I'm, with the smoky flavor, I'm a little worried it's going to be reminiscent of the tea from Jane Eyre. Yeah, just that just tasted my like straight tobacco and malt. So hang on, time for the tea pouring. It's a nice color. It really is. I love a good black tea, like I really do. And it's gonna make us more awake, hopefully. <laughs> for all that homework I still <laughs> have. Homework we still have. I also love the fact that it's Baker Street. It's Baker Street. It's Baker Street. Grace it's like, knew what she was doing when she recommended this to us. Yeah, apparently, so thank she you, did. Grace. Thank you, Grace. Mm-hmm. All right, how? How is it? Not as tobacco-y. Mm-hmm. Still real smoke. Real smoky. Real smoky. Um, it's almost a little bit more like floral. Like I feel like there's a floral note. I don't know. Are you just getting tobacco? <laughs> Basically just getting tobacco. But I do kind of, I don't know, there's some some floral in there. Mm-hmm. In the aftertaste, actually, I think. Oh. This is, a, this is starting to sound nice. Are we learning how to talk about tea? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. This is the skill we're gaining through this. Can I put that on my resume for social work? Is that a thing? <laughs> Can talk about tea Can in talk any about setting? tea with my clients. <laughs> gonna They're going to be like, reject. I really like this tea. Um, it, I, top me off. Top it off. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. Ooh, perfect. <laughs> right. Jane is gesturing me to move the teapot away it was from the really... microphone because she's afraid that I'm going to ruin everything. Also, you have a laptop that is not your own laptop <laughs> at the moment. That's true. That's true. My laptop is being fixed at a Best Buy center somewhere. Because it slid off your bed and decided to kill itself. And decided to commit laptop suicide. <laughs> so thanks to the library for give, letting me borrow a laptop. Yeah, that's real nice of you. All right, so we're ready for the plot summary of The Hound of the Baskervilles. We sure are. Mm-hmm. So The Hound of the Baskervilles... Opens <laughs> two very different <laughs> ways of saying that. So the Hound of the Baskervilles opens with a mini mystery. Mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson speculate on the identity of the owner of a cane that has been left in their office by an unknown visitor. So spooky. right off the bat, it's a little spooky. This is probably one of the spookier Sherlock it Holmes is. I would say. I love this one. Oh my goodness. But wowing Watson with his fabulous powers of observation, Holmes <laughs> predicts the appearance of James Mortimer owner of the found object, and a convenient entree into the baffling curse of the Baskervilles. So, entering the office and unveiling an 18th century manuscript, Mortimer recounts the myth of the lecherous Hugo Baskerville. Hugo captured and imprisoned a young country lass at his estate in Devonshire, only to fall victim to a marauding hound of hell as he pursued her along the lonesome moors late one night. I mean... He kind of deserves it. He totally deserves it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get taken down by a hound if you're going to chase a fair maiden across the moors. God damn. Can we bring that back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Just sicking hounds on terrible men. Men are trash. Mm-hmm. Continuing men are trash. Ever everlasting moral. <laughs> Gotta make merch. <laughs> Hashtag men are trash. So every- oh my god, dad hats that just say men are trash. <laughs> Jane's been really into dad hats recently. Uh, not um, to call me she out, but bought, actually, like, three over the last week. Like, literally over break, <laughs> I bought three. They're wonderful. She came back and she was like, look at me go. They're great. But no, I'm seriously considering just hand-making a hat that's just in our trash. Just embroidery. We'll hand-embroider hats for our listeners. Sounds good. If you actually listen to us and want a hand-embroidered hat, let us know. <laughs> we'll learn embroidery for this. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Don't choke, please. You good? Oh! <laughs> we good. We good? So yeah, All men right, are awesome. trash, and he was chased by a mysterious hound. Mm, shocking. So ever since Mortimer, ever since Mortimer reports, Mortimer, I'm going to start that whole sentence over. Sounds good. Ever since Mortimer, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been such a week. <laughs> It's Ever been a, since, we've been in class for one day. Well, I only had one class today, too. My oh other my class gosh. got canceled. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you had class at 9.30 this morning, and then you've been and free I've been since. I've been doing my homework. Oh, my God. Learn how to say Mortimer. Ever since Mortimer reports, <laughs> the Baskerville line has been plagued by a mysterious and supernatural black hound. Ew. Ew. <laughs> The recent death of Sir Charles Baskerville has rekindled suspicion and fears. The next of kin, the duo finds out, has arrived... Excuse me. Has arrived in London to take up his post at Baskerville Hall, but he has already been intimidated by an anonymous note of warning and, strangely enough, the theft of a shoe. What? (laughs) Who just just steals a shoe? Who just steals a shoe? I mean, I know things that ruin a shoe... I'm still mad. You can tell that story. Oh my Do god! Do you want okay. a rant for a second? Yeah, just real Pause. quick. Pause just, a, rant. just real quick. Um, so over the weekend, I was visiting my sister, and we were we went into a Plato's closet. And I found a brand love new love Plato's closet. Love Plato's closet, but I found a brand new pair of teal Vans, never worn, literally just out of the box, that like, you know, were in perfect condition for twenty two dollars. Uh. Which is a steal for that Vans. That is a steal. Because Vans are usually, what, like 60 50 or 60 50 or 60 For $22, never worn by perfect size, gorgeous shoes. Bought them, wore them one time, brought them home. My cat, on Monday, decided to bring a live mouse into my room because apparently she loves me, but I don't love her anymore. She, you love her. I do love her. My cat is great, but, like, also <laughs> she brings a live mouse into my room every single time I'm home, and she's kind of trash for it. That's valid. But she brings a mouse to my room and then looks at me, and I'm as I'm saying, Pippa, no. Pippa, my, no. My cat's name is Pippa. As I'm saying, Pippa, no, please do not drop the mouse in my room. She just looks at me. Kind of does a cat wink and then just opens her mouth and drops the mouse. And of course, now I'm screaming, trying to find the mouse. I can't find the mouse. So I don't think anything of it. In the middle of the night, I hear it chewing on something. I just figure, like, papers in a file folder I have are getting ruined or something like that. Something a mouse would shred. Yeah. Don't think anything of it. Pack up all my clothes and everything. Move back to school. Mackenzie and I are unpacking. I'm showing her my brand new pair of Vans. And I look at one of them and realizes, and I realize that the back, like, ankle of the shoe has a hole in it. And then I'm like, why is that? Like, did my dog get to it? I'm so confused. 
Look down inside the shoe and see a mouse tail. <laughs> Jane yells, there's a mouse in my shoe. Mackenzie looks at me in disbelief. Disbelief. Who the hell has a mouse in their shoe that After they- After it traveled here, too. Yeah, like, it, it was, was in, in a bag, bag for, like, like, two or three hours. Because mm-hmm. I packed it early in the morning before I left, too. So it was in there for an extended period of time, underneath a bunch of stuff. Um, so yeah, it chewed up my shoe, and I had to go release it into the wild. Thankfully, it was still alive. You shook your shoe gently on the dirt in front of the dorm and said, Please, mouse, please leave while I watched from the door. (laughs) So, yeah, my shoe got ruined. I'm still gonna wear it, though, because, like, still a brain of pair of shoes. Anyways, we're back to, um, him missing a pair of shoes. Or a piece of of shoe. shoe. A single shoe. So, agreeing to take the case, Holmes and Watson quickly discover that Sir Henry Baskerville is being trailed in London by a mysterious bearded stranger. Ooh. And they speculate as to whether the ghost be friend or foe. Holmes, however, announces that he is too busy in London to accompany Mortimer and Sir Henry to Devonshire to get to the bottom of the case, and he sends Dr. Watson to be his eyes and ears, insisting that he report back regularly. Once in Devonshire... Excuse me. (laughs) Once in Devonshire, Watson discovers a statue of emergency with armed guards on the watch for an escaped convict roaming the moors. He meets potential suspect in Mr. Barrymore and Mrs. Barrymore, the domestic help, and Mr. Jack Stapleton and his sister Beryl, Baskerville neighbors. Wait, Sister Beryl? Sister Beryl. Like Beryl? B-E-R-Y-L Beryl. Like Uh, Cheryl, but with Beryl. I hate that. Yeah. So Barrel Why can't Barrymore. it be Barrel, B-A-R-R? Barrel Stapleton. <laughs> I want it to be Barrel, as in, like, a barrel. <laughs> well, that's what you can think of her as now. All right. So, a series of mysteries arise in rapid succession. Barrymore is caught skulking around the mansion at night. Watson spies a lonely figure keeping watch over the moors, and the doctor hears what sounds like a dog's howling. Beryl Stapleton provides an enigmatic warning, and Watson learns of a secret encounter between Sir Charles and a local woman named Laura Lyons on the night of his death. Ooh. Spooky. Spooky scary skeletons. It's October. Send shivers down your spine. Finish your plot summary. (laughs) I love spooky scary skeletons. So much. So, back to the plot summary. So, yeah, Laura Lyons was with Sir Charles on the night of his death. And doing his best to unravel these threads of the mystery, Watson discovers that Barrymore's nightly jaunts are just his attempt to aid the escaped con, who turns out to be Mrs. Barrymore's brother. The doctor interviews Laura Lyon to assess her involvement and discovers that the lonely figure surveying the moors is none other than Sherlock Holmes himself. It takes Holmes, hidden so as not to tip off the villain as to his involvement, to piece together the mystery. Mr. Stapleton, Holmes has discovered, is actually in line to inherit the Baskerville fortune and as such is the prime suspect. Laura Lyons was only a pawn in Stapleton's game, a Baskerville beneficiary whom Stapleton convinced to request and then miss a late-night appointment with Sir Charles. Having lured Charles onto the moor, Stapleton released his ferocious pet pooch, which frightened the superstitious nobleman and caused a heart attack. In a dramatic final scene, Holmes and Watson used the younger Baskerville as bait to catch Stapleton red-handed. After a late supper at the Stapleton, Sir Henry heads home across the moors, only to be waylaid by the enormous Stapleton pet. Despite a dense fog, Holmes and Watson are able to subdue the beast, and Stapleton, in his panicked fight from the scene, drowns in a marshland on the moors. Beryl Stapleton, who turns out to have been Jack's wife and not his sister, is discovered tied up in his house, having refused to participate in his dastardly scheme. 
Back in London, Holmes ties up the loose ends, announcing that the stolen shoe was used to give the hound Henry's scent, and that the mysterious warning note came from Beryl Stapleton, whose philandering husband had denied their marriage so as to seduce and use Laura Lyons. Watson files the case closed. So that's what the mouse was doing with your shoe. Getting it sent. To murder me? I don't know. Can the mouse murder you? Probably. They got little talons. <laughs> I don't think the mouse is capable. Unless you literally saw it and like had a heart attack because you were so freaked out. I mean, it was close. <laughs> it was real spooky. <laughs> and this was in the morning. This wasn't even at night. Imagine if you found that at night. <gasps> Imagine if I was trying somewhere. to put my shoe on and just the mouse was still... I would have... Mm. died. Mm. Actually, I would have died if it somehow got out of my closet and just yeah. wa- was walking around room. room. Yeah, no, that would have been real bad. Hurry. Well, we got the spooky story out of the way, so mm-hmm. let's hear about his life, the man. So, yeah. so, this is a name. Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle. Third child, Ignatius. <laughs> so, Medea? No. No, Medea. Glaus? Glaus. Glauke. 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 Um, Glaus. What did we say last week? Oh my god. It was someone from Our titties. Lair titties. Lair titties. Glauke. Lair titties. And Ignatius. And Ignatius. Your kids are gonna hate you. I'm not gonna have any. (laughs) Third kid, Ignatius, but actually no. They're all gonna be cats. (laughs) (laughs) If you have to name your cat Lair titties. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you want to name your cat. Bring to the vet. Oh, what a cute little kitten. What's his name? Larry Layer titties. titties. <laughs> I'm so sorry to everyone who listened to our Hamlet episode because Layer Titties has been so ruining good. my life. I think about it on the daily now. It's I really do. I'm going to, oh, thank God, I'm not covering Hamlet in my Shakespeare class this semester. Oh, my God. my mind. Accidentally, it says Layer Titties. Layer Titties to, an English to my professor. professor, and she'd be like, um, what? Oh, what? Don't worry about it. All right, so Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle. Yes. What a dude, what a name. So he's a British writer, and he's best known for his detective fiction featuring the character of Sherlock Holmes. But he was originally a physician, which I Mm. thought is super neat. And he also wrote a bunch of short stories, and he wrote, and that just is considered kind of milestones in the field of crime fiction, is like what he did with Sherlock Holmes. So, yeah, so he's often referred to as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, or simply Conan Doyle, which is interesting. And his baptism entry in the register of St. Mary's Cathedral, Edinburgh, gives Arthur Ignatius Conan as his given name, and Doyle as his surname. Ah, so what a- I'm just not over his name. It's incredible. So wait, so he has three first names? Yeah, but then Stephen Doyle, editor of the Baker Street Journal, wrote Conan was Arthur's middle name. Shortly after he graduated from high school, he began using Conan as a sort of surname. But technically his last name is simply Doyle. Because we do say Conan Doyle. Yeah, we do. We do. So I guess that's kind of what he wanted. So, but when he was knighted, he was gazetted as Doyle, not under the compound Conan Doyle. All right. But he used the compound surname a lot. And his um, wife, his second wife, was known as Jean Conan Doyle rather than Jean Doyle, which is just a fun name thing. I like fun name things. Yeah. They're pretty funky. They're pretty funky. So, I mean, yeah, I've got like seven first names, so. You have two. I've. And yeah. A name. Yeah. <laughs> I do have two new first names, but we don't talk about the second one. I'm going to call you by your both names. Please never. so he was born on the 22nd of may in 1859 in edinburgh scotland and his father was born in england of irish catholic catholic descent and his mother was also irish catholic and his parents married about four years before he was born 
1864, the family dispersed because of his father's growing alcoholism, and the children are temporarily housed across Edinburgh. Oh, that's not, not very good. good. In 1867, the family came together again and lived in a squal in squalid tenement flats. And Doyle's father died in 1893 after many years of psychiatric illness. So, but he was supported by wealthy uncles and was able to go to um, the Jesuit Preparatory School in Lancashire at the age of nine. And then he went to Stonyhurst College, and he wasn't like unhappy there, but he didn't really have any good memories of it because the school was run on really like medieval principles and oh, they studied like rhetoric and like Euclidean geometry and algebra and the classics so and he, the disgusting things. yeah and he like didn't care about any of that he really he's, he commented later in his life that the academic system could only be excused on the plea that any exercise however stupid in itself forms a sort of mental dumbbell by which one can improve one's mind all right damn dude he also really, he thought it was really harsh, and he said that instead of compassion and warmth, the school favored um, corporal punishment and ritual humiliation. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something you want. So he went to the greatest school, you know? He also, later in life, um, rejected the Catholic faith and became an agnostic. And, yeah. Yep. And he also, at one point, became a spiritualist mystic. What? Which is just wild. Wait, what is but that a mean? spiritualist mystic? Let's find out. Oh, no, it won't let me find out. Because they're Definitely. separate words. So it's going to uh, tell me what spiritualism is, which is a religious movement based on the yeah. belief that spirits of the dead exist and have both the ability and the inclination to communicate with the living. Mm -hmm. And then a mystic, that is the practice of religious ecstasies. Yep. Yep. So yeah, he believed right. in ghosty shits, which is why he wrote these. He probably... <laughs> but he actually studied medicine, at the University of Edinburgh Medical School. And he worked in Aston, and he worked in Sheffield and Shropshire. And he studied practical botany at one point, and he just was, like, into all this stuff, but that's when he started writing short stories, is while he was um, working as a bot- like, studying botany. And his earliest fiction is The Haunted Grange of Goristhorpe. Which was that's really, a name. Oh, Goris, I think that's right. And it was unsuccessfully submitted to Blackwood's magazine. His first published piece was the mystery of Sasasa Valley. Sasasa? Sasasa. I'm just going to let you work that one out. I'm not stepping on those The toes. mystery of Sasasa Valley, which is a story set in South Africa, and it was printed in Chambers' Edinburgh Journal. And he published some academic articles, and then he... Um, was he was the doctor on the Greenland whaler Hope of Peterhead in 1880? Yep. And then after he graduated from university in 1881, he was the ship's surgeon on the SS Mayumba during a voyage to the West African coast. And he completed his Doctor of Medicine degree on the subject of Tabs dorsalis in 1885. What is that? Who even knows? Does it have a thing to click? Also Ooh. known as syphilitic melop malopathy slow degeneration of the neural tracts primarily in the dorsal columns of the spinal cord oh that's fun that's real great so yeah he also was a staunch supporter of compulsory vaccinations and wrote several articles advocating for the practice and denouncing the views of anti-vaccinators wow wow it's Where's... almost like he knew what he was talking about a trained medical professional how many years ago knows Man. more than these quinoa moms in la right now you mean Kat Von D. Kat Von, at Kat Von D. Vaccinate your kids. 
God damn it. God Stop damn having it. a vegan pregnancy. It's not good for your it's baby. It's not going to work out, buddy. Oh. Oof. We got some thoughts. Also, wait, question. Mm-hmm. This is really off topic, mm-hmm. but is breast milk considered vegan? Like, is she going to have to have her kid on formula? And it has to be vegan formula. Is there vegan formula? But it's the whole premise with breast milk. It doesn't hurt to get it. Like, I don't know if breast milk is vegan. Add our listeners. Tweet out if breast milk is vegan. And also if there's vegan if there's formula. Because what? technically, it's a byproduct of an animal, so it can't be it vegan. Is. It is. Do vegans, do vegans not breastfeed? Probably not. I mean, a lot of people don't breastfeed. Well, yeah, but like, but it's vegan formula. specifically would not. But is formula vegan? Is there a vegan option of formula? I'm going to spend like 30 hours doing research on this. It probably will take you two seconds to Google vegan formula and something will pop up. Oh my god, I'm Googling it right now. Continue. Well, I right. get confused about so, if Kat Von D is allowed to have a child. <laughs> <laughs> so Doyle struggled to find a publisher for his work, like a lot. He just had a rough time with things. And um, he finally did get um, published in a study in Scarlet was taken by Ward Lock and Co. in 1886. And they gave him 25 pounds, the equivalent to $2,500 today, for all rights to the story. And it appeared one year later in Beaton's Christmas Annual and received good reviews in the Scotsman and the Glasgow Herald. And Holmes was partially modeled on his former university teacher, Joseph Bell, which is a little bit wild. And in 1892, in a letter to Bell, Doyle wrote, It is most certainly to you that I owe Sherlock Holmes, around the center of deduction and inference and observation which I have you inculcate. I have tried to build up a man. And in his 1924 autobiography, he remarked, It is no wonder that after a study of such character, I used and amplified his methods when, in later in life, I tried to build up a scientific detective who solved cases on his own merits and not through the folly of the criminal. So damn, imagine being that professor. But... Also, hold on. Doesn't Doyle hate Sherlock? Isn't that like a whole thing? I don't know. No, I I, I read somewhere that he oh Doyle's attitude towards his most famous creation was ambivalent. He wrote to his mother, "I think of slaying Holmes and winding him up for good and all." He did. He takes my mind from better things. And he just, uh, yeah, I guess he didn't really like it. I didn't write this as part of my um, notes, but I was looking into this. Uh, Mm -hmm. Conan had. Conan Doyle had actually slayed Sherlock mm-hmm. before he wrote The Hound of Baskervilles, but then he... Oh, I think I hear that he, like, brought him back. He brought him was back. was so obsessed with him. Well, not even so obsessed with him. He wanted to write about this sort of, like, legend, which I'll get into. Mm-hmm. He wanted to write about this legend, and the only way he could frame it as though something, like, something people would read was to bring back Sherlock. That's amazing. Also, I googled it. Um, there is no vegan formula that like, exists, they all contain animal-derived ingredients, um, so they recommend the, they recommend breast milk for vegan babies, but breast milk's not vegan! Add Kat Von D, explain! Kat Von D! How, how is your baby gonna be vegan? How how can your baby be a vegan? Cause, bitch, it can't. Bitch, it can't be. Oh my god. All right, please continue. I'm so frustrated. So going on with his whole, like, mystic spiritualism, um, he had a long-standing interest in mystical subjects. He was initiated as a Freemason in 1887 at the Phoenix Lodge, number 257 in South Sea. He resigned from the lodge in 1889, only to return in 1902 
to resign again in 1911. That's how I want to be. I want to be that uncommittal. <laughs> and he was a member of the Portsmouth Literary and Philosophical Society, Major General Alfred Wilkes Drayson. He met him and began a series of psychic investigations. He in, in he attended around 20 seances, experimented what? in telepathy, and sitting with mediums. I love so him. So he is super fascinated with the paranormal, which definitely comes across in a lot of his work, which I think is super interesting. And he just is such a dude. Like, and he was really interested in architecture, and he had so... I, he's just... Love this man. He's just... I, I mean, honestly, I think I mm -hmm. like him so much because, in addition to just loving Sherlock, mm -hmm. um, he's really strange in how he decided yeah. to have his life, oh, which I think is cool really dude. jazzy. He also, I think this is really, his last words were directed towards his wife, and they were, you are wonderful. Oh, oh Which is, like, super sweet. Yeah, he died in, on July 7th in 1930, and at the time of his death, there was some controversy concerning his burial place as he was avowedly not a Christian and considered himself spiritualist. So he was first buried in Windlesham Rose Garden mm -hmm. and he later re-entered together with his wife Minstead Churchyard in the New Forest, Hampshire, which is a little bit wild. So I think he's still in Minstead, but he is in a churchyard, which I don't know how he would feel about that. But that is where they but decided. But he's with to... his wife. Yeah, so I think that's probably... Yeah. Probably nice, but yeah. That I think was as some, long as he's with his wife, That was okay. some controversy, because he was not a Christian. I don't know why people are so, like, have so much controversy about people just wanting to, like, they're dead, just put them in the ground. Or better yet, just burn them, because we have too many bodies in the ground. It's actually becoming a problem. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's becoming a huge issue. I, I don't know if you want to become a tree. Like, the thing where you get to become a tree. Oh, that, that's yeah, what I want to do. That's what my mom wants to do. That's she already so has bad. it in her will. I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> um, but I don't know if you've heard of people who live on lower ground than uh, cemeteries, but every time that there's a flood, oh, no. bodies slip out of the cemetery and end up in people's houses or in the road. Um, there's a lot of overcrowding. As, mm -hmm. especially in, like, city burials, like, as cities start to expand. You know how, like, Paris has the catacombs and stuff yeah. like that? Well, other cities, as they expand, they have to move the cemeteries farther mm -hmm. away from the city. So they take whatever's left in a coffin and just stick it in a box, and they usually say, like, a two-foot-by-one-foot box, mm -hmm. and then just go stick it in the ground somewhere. Oh, Honestly, I am a firm believer in cremation because yeah. also the whole, like, accidental on like autopsy didn't happen or the like actual like mummification of the body didn't happen and the person is still alive and gets buried alive no no no, no. just burn me at that point Honestly. set me on flames yeah like basically if being buried if like being just buried doesn't hold religious or spiritual significance to you just I know it burn does for me. some people that's just, true yeah. yeah but if that's not the case Fucking burn. <laughs> Become a tree. You can shoot your ashes into, like, outer space. Like, you can do but so don't much. don't pollute outer space. Come on now. There's already <laughs> so much garbage. garbage. I want to be a tree. No, I do want to be a tree. I just want to get burned and then, like, sprinkled somewhere where I can fertilize things. That's so nice. Because, <laughs> realistically, my mind's pretty dope, but the rest of my body I don't really care about. So, like, I know my mind's going to go to another place, but, like... Your body? Eh, fuck it. My body, like, give it. I'm done with it. Let's just burn it, burn it to the ground, throw me in. Oh my goodness, 
Put me in a garden somewhere. On that note, Jane, do you want to go into your main theme? Sure. About Hound of the Baskervilles. So, um. Just burn my throw it somewhere. Just throw it somewhere. Put it in a garden. Um, so I know we covered Supernatural stuff last week. Supernatural stuff is so fun, though. I know. I wanted to have fun because I just, I kind of hate the world right now and I'm tired. Um, so The Hound of the Baskervilles has a lot of supernatural elements that I'm going to go into, but first I wanted to talk a bit about the inspiration for the story, because I always love inspiration. I always find this to be, like, one of the more interesting things, Mm -hmm. especially with, like, not necessarily classic lit, oh, kind of classic lit. Um, but, How much of it is inspired by previously existing sources in mythology? At William Shakespeare. At Willie Shakespeare. At Billy Shakes. Billy Shakes, our boy. (laughs) Our boy, Billy Shakes. Um, so... The ideas for the story came from the legend of Richard Cabell. I'm going to call him Cabell, actually. Richard Cabell of like Brook Hall in the parish of Buckfastly. Buckfastly? What? Buckfastly. Buckfastly. Like breakfastly? Like breakfast, but buck. Buckfastly. Buckfastly. I don't know how I feel about um, Buckfastly, Devon. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but fine. Um, so Squire Richard Cabell lived for hunting and was referred to as a monstrously evil man. He gained this reputation for many things, including immorality and having sold his soul to the devil. Um, there's also a rumor that he murdered his wife, Elizabeth Fowle, uh, but her name was on his will, so she must have still been alive, but, like, that was a really popular rumor. On July 5th, 1677, he died and was laid to rest. The night of the burial, a pack of hounds was seen baying across... Yeah, baying across the moor to howl at his tomb. From that night on, he could be found leading the phantom pack across the moor, usually on the anniversary of his death. If the pack was not out hunting, they could be found hanging around his grave, howling and shrieking. In an attempt to lay the soul of Squire Richard to rest, the villagers built a large building around the tomb, and to be doubly sure, a huge slab was placed over the top. And this is actually, like, still a thing. Oh my god. Like, this isn't a, like, this man was real. There is a, like, mausoleum of, for, that's the right word, ma- right? I think mausoleum. So. Yeah, there's a mausoleum in, um, Buxesley, Devon. That is, like, named, like, Cabell, like, mausoleum or something. I love it. Yeah, so that's, like, one Mm -hmm. of the possible inspirations for this. Another theory of the inspiration comes from Devon's folklore, which uh, involves tales of a fearsome supernatural dog known as the Yeth Hound, or from tales of Black Shuck um, that Arthur Conan Doyle heard in North Norfolk when he was there on holiday. So, the Yeth Hound and Black Shuck are both names for the Ghost Black Dog. A black dog is a spectral or demonic entity found primarily in the folklore of the British Isle. It is essentially a nocturnal apparition. Some of them may be shapeshifters. That's a fun tongue twister. That are often associated with the devil or are described as a ghost or hellhound. Its appearance was regarded as an omen of death. Descriptions of this creature say that it is larger than a normal dog and often has large glowing eyes. It may be associated with electrical storms, such as with the um, Black Shuck. That That's like one of the mm-hmm. primary stories is that um, an electrical storm hit this. I can't remember exactly where. I didn't write it down. Um, but an electrical storm hit outside this church and then all of a sudden the Black Shuck ran into the church, killed a man and a boy, and, like, destroyed Mm -hmm. the church. And that happened, like, three separate times in three different churches, Mm -hmm. I guess, in, like, this um, folklore myth, possibly real. Um, But 
these creatures are also seen at crossroads, places of execution, and ancient pathways, which kind of makes sense if it's, like, associated with the devil yeah. and, like, demonic things. So, while the ghost black dog is extremely popular in the United Kingdom, I found, like, 20-something different stories. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, no, just different names of different black dogs that oh each have, God. like, a whole subset of stories. Yeah. And a lot of them are specific to regions, too. Mm -hmm. So, if you guys are interested in that, go on the Wikipedia. It's really cool. Some of the stories are fucking wild. Wild. Um, I found two examples of this phenomenon in the States. Ooh. Ooh. We love the States. Well, do we? And they're shockingly close to home. Oh, no. Where are they? The legend of a small black dog has persisted has persisted in Meriden, Connecticut since the 19th century. <laughs> the dog is said to haunt the Hanging Hills, which is a series of rock ridges and gorges that serve as a popular recreational area. It is described as a death omen, and it's said that, quote, if you meet the black dog once, it shall be for joy. If twice, it shall be for sorrow. And the third time shall bring death, unquote. A... Then the second one, a New England black dog story comes from southeastern Massachusetts in an area known as the Bridgewater Triangle. In the mid-1970s, the town of, um, sorry, my mind just quit, Abington, there we go, was terrorized by a large black dog that caused a panic. A local fireman saw it attacking ponies. Local police unsuccessfully searched for it at first, but eventually a police officer spotted the dog walking along train tracks and shot at it. Apparently, the bullets had no effect on the animal, and it wandered off, never to be seen again. So, yeah, they're a little too close for home they're for me. They're a little too close to home for comfort. <laughs> Which, like, also, I'm wondering how much this ghost black dog story came over with people immigrating yeah, coming to, from like, coming England. from England to the United States, which I find Oof. so interesting. Because, like, also... This story goes back to Greek mythology. Yeah, if you think like the hellhounds, of, of, like all that. Hellhounds and also the keeper of the underworld. Mm -hmm. um, Severus, he, right? Severus, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is like something that's really popular, but it's even more so in the UK. Mm -hmm. So this black dog phenomenon can be seen in everything from movies, such as the 1998 film Black Dog, starring Patrick Swayze. We love a man. We love the man. <laughs> Um, the Harry Potter series has seen serious black, serious black shape-shifting form in various video games, comic strips, and TV shows. Mm -hmm. A lot of things reference a black yeah, dog as, as like a, a symbol of death. As an omen of death, which I find very interesting. The grim, we can read our tea leaves, and if we see the grim, then we're done. Honestly, yeah, I might have enough tea <laughs> leaves to read it. So, in the novel where, when Sherlock Holmes, so this is a segue into something else. Ooh. In the novel where Sherlock Holmes stops the attack of the black dog, he remarks that it is a mortal dog covered in phosphorus to make it grow. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of criticism around using phosphorus on a dog, not shockingly. Mm -hmm. So the particular kind of phosphorus used was white phosphorus, which quickly becomes yellow when exposed to light, which is also why it's referred to as yellow phosphorus. Mm -hmm. It goes it glows greenish in the dark when exposed to oxygen and is highly flammable and self-igniting upon contact with the air. <gasps> it is co toxic, causing severe liver damage on ingestion and phosphorus necrosis of the jaw from chronic ingestion or inhalation. If anyone wants to see what phosphorus necrosis of the jaw looks like, go for it. It's spooky. I don't want to know what that looks like. Puffed up and like it's messed up. <laughs> yep. So you can see how people would be concerned about the dog being coated in phosphorus, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there is some support for Doyle's use of phosphorus, saying that as long as it was not near the eyes or muzzles, 
or the muzzle of the dog could have survived for a period of time without much injury, um, especially if the dog was coated just before being released on the gang of people. Mm -hmm. um, still, it's kind of fucked that the bad guy in the story just coated a dog in phosphorus and was like, sup, here we go. Yeah, so that's kind of all I have. <laughs> I like it. I think the dogs... Actually, I do have a okay. funky fact. I love funky... I... A funky fact. A funky fact. To... to... Um, I don't have everything on it, but there was actually, for a brief period of time, a theory called the Baskerville Effect, which um, was talking about sudden heart attacks in oh. American and Japanese men. Um, I could go... I can go more into it. Let me just pull it up. I just gotta that's pull up the wild, wiki. That's how Charles Baskerville... Mm-hmm. Oh, man, because he gets spooked and then he has a heart yep. attack. Is that, like, a thing where people just, like, have really sudden heart attacks out of, like, being... Is it mostly being, like, shocked or stunned by something? Let me... I can't type. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just wrote theory, effort, and then finally I wrote effect. <laughs> Here we go. So, it is the idea that there is an increase in rate of mortality through heart attacks on days considered unlucky because of the psychological stress that is caused by... Like, that causes yeah. superstitious people. So on, like, Friday the 13th mm -hmm. and, like, days... What other... Mm -hmm. Is there other days or is that the big one? Um, let's see. So... Ba -ba -ba -ba. Ba -da -da -da. Deaths of Chinese and Japanese Americans from heart attacks between 1973 and 1998 was 7% higher on the 4th of the month compared to the average of the other days in that month. And this was not observed in the general American population. Mm -hmm. Four is considered an unlucky number in Chinese, and hence in the Japanese and Cor and hence in Japanese and Korean, um, because it sounds like death. Ooh. the pronunciation yeah. of it, which I'm not going to try. <laughs> um, some Chinese and Japanese hotels and hospitals do not use it as a room number, like how a lot of places skip the thirteenth. Skip floor. the thirteenth, yeah. The authors see how telephone line subscribers could choose the last four digits in their telephone numbers. Found evidence that the number four is avoided among Chinese and Japanese American by searching like the yellow pages, blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Um, so their hypothesis was that the peak was caused by stress induced on the superstitious superstition following surrounding this number. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of criticism of it. This is a discredited theory, yeah. shockingly. Um, that was sarcasm. Um, because if, like, a person who was double-checking this study found that they were admitting data from several heart attack disease categories, picking only those that happened to have a higher rate on the mm -hmm. fourth day, calling them chronic heart diseases, and they pointed out that they had not done this in previous studies of Jewish deaths near Passover and Chinese deaths near the Harvest Moon, um, where they all used, where they used all heart disease categories, so they found no statistic relevance of peaks on day four and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, this, um, yeah, this effect, they also said, would have been seen larger in Asia. Yeah. Which makes sense. Which does make more sense. Where the opposite occurs, where they saw more peaks in the United States as opposed to Asia, which is just mm -hmm. kind of, like, of course, this this theory is debunked, but I yeah. just thought it was really interesting. That is a really interesting And it kind theory. of ties in. So, yeah, that's basically my fun fact for the week. Nice. I so, love the fun facts. Um, yeah. Shitty characters? Shitty characters. You want to go first? Whew. I feel like this one's a little bit... My leg also know. fell asleep, so I needed to move. That's valid. I honestly just think that... I think this is basic, but 
Jack Stapleton. That's who I chose, yeah. He's just, oh my god, he's such a bad dude. And, like, because he's in line for the, like, inheritance or whatever. Yeah. And he just, oh my god, he's such a mess. And Conan Doyle throws in the issues of, like, biological inheritance. So when Holmes sees the portrait of Hugo Baskerville, the bad guy, who started up the whole thing, he immediately, like, sees Stapleton's face staring out at him. Also, how did no one in the family pick up on that? Like, how, uh, if he looks know. like your your dad or your granddad, how mm-hmm. how do you not recognize someone else's face? Also, how do you not realize that it's like your brother or something? Yeah. I'm sorry, there's a lot of gaps in this story. There's just <sighs> and the fact that see, he's so shitty to Barrel. Yeah. Do you have more? I just, I, I, just, I think we have the same thoughts about this man. So he's just creepy from the start. Oh, yeah. The butterfly thing? Okay. Where he, like, finds okay. Walter. He's like, oh. hello, sir. Would you like to look at the butterfly? It's fucking weird. Like, he's a schoolmaster that collects butterflies. Anyone who collects butterflies is into some creepy freaky That's shit. That's not necessarily in, true. In my opinion. Okay, okay. In my opinion. Sorry if you collect butterflies. Jane thinks you're kinky. Creepy freaky shit. <laughs> Creepy freaky shit. I mean, come on. Who collects butterflies? You have to kill them to collect them. That's fair. That's fair. Like, it's not It's not like you're collecting, you know, leaves off the ground. <laughs> you're collecting a live thing and then encasing it in glass. Like, that's some weird shit. That is. Um, plus, fact. he's like the manipulative villain of the story. Oh, yeah. And like, he All has those this basic facade. Also, calling his wife his sister, that's just weird. That was weird. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> And then, like, being like, well, no, I need to manipulate this girl, so you're not my sister. What up? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> that. I don't know why that got me. I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. And he puts Fosphorus on dogs, so fuck yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. He's just shitty. He really fucking sucks. Conan Doyle makes it so easy to find a shitty character, though, because it's like, he's the villain. Love it. Honestly, no one else in the story was kind of that bad. Super like, bad. Like, everyone else, even Beryl, like, at the end was like, no, I'm not gonna go along with your plans. Yeah, like they she all, was sending yeah. letters from the start being like, hey, yeah, maybe stay away. Maybe don't she come here and we'll die. Errol, we made fun of her name earlier. I'd like I to redact that. Hey, I'm, I'm redacting that. Like, and also, we like her. even the, what is, it's not the Stapletons, the other the ones. The Barrymores? Yeah, the Barrymores. Like, they're just kind of there. They're just chilling. They're just trying to they're help. They're bopping. They're trying to help the convict. That's it. Also, the fact that he's just named the convict and not anything <laughs> else just gets me. I love it. Uh, all right, I, it's gonna it's gonna be a short episode this week. I'm I don't know. I didn't really have. It's much. a short. It's not a very long book though. Too. No, it's, it's a, not. It's a novel, but it's a very short novel. Yeah, I also didn't want to go into like class differences and paradox Loki. No, I wanted to you know talk about fun? ghosty boys. Ghosty boys. Ghosty boys and ghosty dogs. <laughs> ghosty boys and ghosty dogs. I don't know. You got anything else? Um, I think that's all good. And yeah, just another reminder that, like, you can absolutely suggest books and teas to us. We, as this episode is proof of, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll we, do it. We we've, love it. We've actually been really enjoying, um, like, we've actually, I've really enjoyed this it's selection. Been, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, and we've got a couple, oops, we got a couple mm-hmm. great books coming up. Really got excited. some good books. Oh, so excited. We'll have an actual teaser Tuesday this week, you guys, I promise. Yeah. It'll, it'll come up. <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen, boys. All right. I think we're going to call it quits here. I think that sounds good. All right. Thanks so much for listening to Spilling Tea. The tea is spilled and the covers are closed. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.